Hi, this is Annalise Lapata, the Assistant Worship Leader of New Life Church. We hope this message propels you to know God more deeply and encourages you to be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever you go. Enjoy the message. So we're going to talk about missions, and today we're going to get the near, okay? So missions is, if we look at missions, missions is a vocational call for some individuals to go to far away places to disciple people in the gospel, okay? Many of us, including myself, love stories that are epic, you know, adventure stories, you know, pirates or, you know, spy thrillers or my, one of my favorites is the Lord of the Rings trilogy. We want to go somewhere, away to experience adventure, intrigue, and come back changed. Above and beyond the desire for adventure, lurking behind this desire to do grand things or to do big things for God is often a baser desire for significance, to be noticed, to be admired. You know, we'll go and we'll do something big, but if we have to cross the road and do it, eh, not so much. It reminds me of that, that story of the, uh, the general who came to Israel to have his leprosy cleaned. And Elisha, Elisha, yeah, I think it was, yeah, Elisha the prophet said, go into, uh, go, go into Jordan and dip three, seven times, seven times. He goes, I'm not doing that. The Jordan's gross. And one of his servants said, if he asked you to do something epic and big, would you not do it? So why won't you do the little thing that he's asking you to do? And he did the little thing, and he was healed. Sometimes we're like that, too. We want to, you know, that's not, you know, it's not as exciting. It's not as, you know, it's making me feel good. We can turn good things. We can turn those good things, like sharing the gospel with others, into a project that becomes about us. And so going far away can seem more appealing to our egos. We wouldn't hesitate to jump in a plane and travel to Timbuktu, but ministering to and sharing the gospel to our cubicle neighbor at work doesn't quite have the same appeal. It doesn't enhance our personal profile. It's hard to take, you know, if you're in some exotic place working with somebody to... I was told the other day that millennials do the selfies like this and then Gen Z does the selfies like this. Is that a thing? Is that real? That's weird to me. Okay. Um, It's a lot easier to take a beautiful picture of the jungle and put that on your Instas instead of like your cubicle mate. Hey. You know, it's not the same vibe. But here's the thing. The people across the world and your cubicle neighbor need Jesus the same. They need Jesus the same. So, Missions is also the commission for all believers to disciple people who live near to them in their neighborhoods, workplaces, and communities. Okay. Let's read out of Acts. Now, this this particular story of the Great Commission is in many different places. Acts is one of them. Matthew, every, every gospel has a version of this. So Acts 
1, chapter, chapter 1, verse 6 says this. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom of Israel at this time? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the, or the periods that the Father has set in his own authority. So he's like, that's not your business. But let me tell you what is your business. You will receive power. He's like, I'm not going to restore it now. I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to give you power to live this life. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Okay? So this is what it would have looked like for them. So the first one, Jerusalem. It's, it's a large area, but this is home. This is their neighborhood. This is where they lived. Okay? They started where they lived. In fact, they got so comfortable in Jerusalem that it took persecution to get them to continue the fulfillment of the Great Commission. But if you were to zoom out to the next one, you have Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. That's this area. When they talk about Judea and Samaria, they're talking about basically this whole swath of land. And in fact, when they were in Jerusalem, they got persecuted, and that persecution caused them to move into Samaria. And then there was a huge revival in Samaria. So much so, because they didn't really like the Samaritans that much, so much so that the apostles had to send some, uh, some representatives up there and go, is this, a real, is this real? And it was. And then, for them, the uttermost parts of the earth would look something like this. Okay? This is a, a large swath of land. This was the Roman Empire as they knew it. So you see the, the, the circles are, are, are spreading out. Okay? So this was their commission to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we came along. And we built things like boats and planes and things like that. And Jesus said, he's not going to come back until the whole world has received the gospel. So this is our commission. Okay? The whole thing. The whole thing is our call. So yes, it is a call to go, but it's, it has to start at home, near. So the title of today's message is Go Near. Go Near. Okay, Go Near. And I lost my spot. Where are we? Go Near. And the big idea of the message is this. Our call from Jesus is to go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel, even next door, in your cul-de-sac, and on your city streets. Go near. Leave that up for a second so people can write that down. But the idea is this. Our job, something didn't get uh, uh, edited. Take that down, quick. You saw nothing. Nothing was... uh, reused I'll read it again our call from Jesus is to go into all the world and share the good news of the gospel even next door in the cul-de-sac and on the city streets I want to read another version of that same conversation okay this was in Matthew chapter 28 same conversation I don't know if it was the same context or what but this is what Matthew talks about. 
It says this in verse 16 of 28. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, go, go. What does it say? Go. It's not just a clever sermon title. Go. Therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this concept of him being with us always is, is synonymous with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Remember, he says, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit is poured out. Remember? That's, 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 what, that's what Matthew is basically saying. Is, and I will be with you always. Okay? So here's the thing. What does Jesus say here? He says, go to all the world, baptize people, and teach them to observe all that I have taught you. What is that? That's discipleship. When Jesus had his 12 and 40 and all the other ones, he taught the Torah, the message of God, and, and people were astonished by it because his, it was different. It was with authority. So he says, I want you to take the, my teachings and I want you to share that with other people. Teach them what I taught you. That's all it is. Teach them what I taught you. You know, I've been, I've been convicted lately. I, I, I've probably read hundreds, maybe not hundreds, maybe a hundred plus leadership books in my career. My desire is to be a good leader. And then with one sentence, somebody knocked me off my high horse. One sentence in a book that was not about leadership, quoted another book that was also not about leadership, but it said this. God never called leaders. He called followers. Oh, man. All that wasted. No, no. So as a pastor, my job is to be a really, really good follower and to teach you what the leader has taught me through his word. So what we're, God is calling us to do is not to make stuff up, not to make it uh, more interesting than Jesus gave it. I mean, they were astonished with him. They said he spoke with authority, and they couldn't believe what he was saying. It's not our job to remake things or repackage it. It's just our job to share what our leader, our rabbi, has given to us, and we just tell people. We could go, you could go to another context. I was talking to uh, Susie this morning, saying one of her relatives is going to, uh, on a medical missions trip, to Venezuela soon. Ooh. And so we prayed for her safety. We prayed for, I mean, that's amazing. I'm not saying don't do that, but here's the thing. Why is it easier for us to share the gospel with perfect strangers across the world than it is with our neighbors. I'm going to tell you why. Because they're watching you. You get to go 
to another country, say your peace and peace out. It's a lot harder to live it than just to say it. But the call starts at home. How did the early church grow so fast? We're talking thousands and days. And I think the key is this. They didn't just say it, they lived it. Their evangelism model was this, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That was their model. That, that was their evangelistic model. Be a real follower. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being done performed by the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. What does that mean? They took care of one another. They took care of one another to the best of their ability. They had, what they had was available to somebody who had a need. Right? They sold their possessions and properties and distributed the, uh, the proceeds to all as had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple. I ask you to be here one week, one a day a week. Not every day. I don't think <laughs> every day you need to be here. But this was their model. They, they were together. They were unified. They spent time with each other. They devoted themselves daily to, to, to the temple worship. And they broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and, and sincere hearts. I like the word sincere. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. They took it to the streets. They lived it out. They lived what they believed in front of the people. They weren't afraid to uh, give what they had in order to help somebody in need. They weren't afraid to open up their home to somebody, to have a meal, to have fellowship, to enjoy. We are, I think post-COVID, we are such weirdos. I'm just saying it. Uh, we are so weird. People are like super stressed about everything. Like we get offended at the drop of a hat. We have some serious PTSD as a nation that we need to get over. We don't want to be too close to people. We don't want people in our homes. We don't people. We got to get over this stuff. We need each other. We need authentic fellowship with the believers. That, I'm telling you, that is super attractive, especially in a culture like ours where people are dying for connection. We are the most connected culture in the history of the world, and everybody is depressed because they're isolated. We medicate more than any other culture because of our anxiety, depression, because we are not living in communities that are supportive of one another. That's what the church was designed to be, and if we can be that, I'm telling you, I am telling you, if we can be that, People will be out of the church daily, those who are being. Here, here's the thing. I, I could care less. Well, let me rephrase that. I care l less 
about the amount of rears in the seats than I do about people being saved. They were added, not just added numbers to the, to the church role. What did it add? It added to the church daily those who were being saved. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not my job. The 12 devoted themselves to prayer, studying the word, and preaching. It was the church that brought people in. It's a call for all believers. Call for all believers. An attractive witness of the gospel first and foremost must act like a, uh, and treat others like authentic believers. We have to be that. We have to be an embodiment of what we believe. People do not need another thing to do. Can anybody say amen? Yeah, we don't need another thing to do. Hey, you should come to church. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I got, that's my only day to mow the lawn. And they're probably telling the truth. I'm not, I'm not even downplaying that. They're probably very busy. They don't need another thing to do. They're already busy. But they need a vibrant, loving community. And they will put other things aside and prioritize that because they are dying for it. John 13, 34 says this. I give you a new command. Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I think we are missing the boat huge in the modern church. The modern church is known more for what we hate than what we love. Why would I go there? All those people would hate me. I was listening to a a preacher the other day. He said this. We are known for having these extreme things. We hate things and we love other things. Unless you fit into those two buckets, then we are seen as not being a viable option for people. We have got to become a church that, listen to this, listen. We don't, interestingly enough, God does not tell us to love everybody out there in this, in this particular thing. And the, new command, the, the new command he's giving is that you take care of one another. People want that. They want to be part of a community that is a loving, connected community. And they'll drop other things in their life to be in that environment. But they are not going to drop it, the things in their life, just to have another judgmental glance just to have another place where they don't measure up just to have another place that's going to judge and ridicule that is not the church but pastor don't we have to keep keep standards of biblical standard absolutely but jesus had Thousands of people following him, and he never bent an inch. Why? Because he loved people. Because he could see the way he, people could see the way he loved his community. You don't have to change the message to do the new command of loving each other. I'm going to give you a little hint. 
none of you is perfect. You want to find an imperfect person, just walk into your bathroom and look in the mirror. We got to be careful, got to be careful. We all can learn, we're all in process. So we keep the standards of the word, but we love people in spite of their failures. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 28 for a second. I want you to see this. Grammar matters. I was like a whiz at diagramming sentences when I was growing up. And it, there's no prize for that. There's no trophy for diagramming sentences well, apparently. There's no, like, World Cup of diagramming sentences. So let's look at Matthew 28 real, real quick. It says this. Go, therefore... And make disciples of all nations. Okay? That's, you know, make disciples of all nations. The point in the Great Commission is not to just go. The imperative here is to disciple. The imperative is not go. So we think about, we think about that sentence, the imperative is, we need to go. No, the imperative is to make disciples. In other words, the text does not say make disciples, verb noun. Make disciples. Like build house or grill steak. Right? It says, it says simply, disciple. In the, in the original text, it's like saying run or jump. It's an active, active thing. It's not building something or making something. It's actively doing something. In reality, you can't make a disciple. You can only... Disciple. So in great, the Great Commission in Matthew, disciple is not an outcome. It's not an outcome. Like to protect, um, predict, excuse me, like a product that you end up with. But it is rather a process that you are doing. The grammar is not telling us to make an object, to make a thing. There's no noun in the text at all. There's only a single imperative verb only a command only an action word only something to do and what is it disciple so a better read of this passage would be this matthew 28 19 go therefore disciple all nations go disciple all nations go Disciple all nations. You're never going to make a disciple. You can't make it. You can, but you can disciple. I'm excited about that 49er group. I hope that that group can disciple disciples. Wouldn't it be cool if we could have a, a group of people in our church, I'm, I'm talking to you, by the way, who was being discipled and then discipling while they are being discipled. That's the, that's, the, that's the goal. That's what God wants us to do. That's what Jesus called us to do, to go wherever we go and disciple. Not to run somebody through a program and at the end, oh, we have a new disciple. That's not how it works. You're never going to make perfection because you're imperfect. The only one who is perfect is our master, our rabbi, and he asks us to be a disciple of him so that we can disciple others.
So let's, 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 let's end this up with a little application. Ready? How do we not act just as nice people, but as kingdom disciples in our neighborhood? It, we're not talking about just being nice people. I'm not, that person's nice. Great, but when does the discipling part come in? And here's the challenge. Ready? I want to think, think about this. Block off 30 minutes time period to walk around your neighborhood. Notice who's outside and what's going on. As you walk, pray for the people you know and the people you don't know. Perhaps as you pass by their houses and the people pass by. Pray for them. Pray for your neighborhoods. And if somebody's outside and you know them, say, hey, how you doing? Be the nice person. And you know what's funny? When you say, hey, how's everything going? Somebody's going to go, meh. I, trust me. It happens. What do you mean by meh? And they're going to say, well, my mom's been struggling with this, that, and the other thing. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Or my kid broke his leg and the thing, whatever. They're going to tell you their story. And that's opportunity for you to say, you know what? I'm going to pray for you. I'll be, I'll be praying for you. Okay. Great. Let me just tell you what's going to happen next. They're going to find you next time they've got something going on. Like, hey, can you pray for me? Last time you prayed for my mom and she's doing much better. Because I believe, in, we talked about it last, last year, I believe in power of prayer. Don't take it for granted. It's a big deal. And they're going to come, hey, my mother, or they're going to see you walking your dog or walking around the neighborhood, be like, hey, hey, so-and-so, come here. This is what happened with my mom. Oh, that's awesome. Praise the Lord. That's, I've been praying for you. And I tell you something, if you say you're going to pray for somebody, pray for them. Don't, it's not like a platitude. Like, I'll pray for you, bud. Sometimes, I'm telling you, when those things come, I just have to take that moment right then and there, either, either with them, if they'll let you, or as soon as I leave, because I don't want to be that person who says, I'm praying for you, and then drop the ball completely. Anyway, that's a start. Check out your neighbor. Don't just, you know, take, take an intentional half an hour and just walk your neighborhood and pray for it. Create a walking habit and build relationships. Talk to people. Don't walk with your head down, with your earbuds, and, you know, come on. With the neighbors you know, consider inviting them to your home for a meal. That could take a little while to get there. I understand that. But build relationships. Create a regular habit of hospitality. You know what's a cool thing to do? I did it one time. I had a bunch of the guys from the church come over for a barbecue, and I invited my neighbor, the guys next door. One guy said, I can't do it. The other guy, he came, and he hung out with us. And he got to meet all the guys in the church, and we talked about all kinds of stuff, sports, spiritual things, you know, politics. Uh, we talked about everything. So maybe your hospitality has to start with inviting some of your friends from church over and then just pl plugging in a neighbor. Get, get strategic. Pray for the Holy Spirit to help you see your neighborhood as a mission field. Go near. Make disciples. You don't have to be going flying somewhere 
to fulfill the Great Commission. Now, this is a little bit different. I want to talk about this. This came to me the other day, and it was like I ordered it. I'll be honest with you. I ordered it, and I really didn't know what I was ordering. We were doing a series on prayer. I'll pray, go. Maybe a book I could hand out. And I started reading it, and I was like, oh, man. Whoa. Super convicted. This is a 30-day journey on how to pray and go where you are. So this is what I, I'm, I would love to do. This is super challenging because it's not an easy thing. It's 30 days. But once you've completed the 30 days, you have taken 15 days to pray about becoming outwardly focused. You will uh, have studied five key Bible passages about reaching beyond yourself to others. You will have prayed in front of 60 homes in your community. You will have sent a note or email to five people who are not part of your church. And you will have specifically invited eight people to visit your church. I would, well, let's keep going. That's if only one of you, like, if, if I did this, I would, that's what would happen. 30 days to change your life. But if 10 people, if I could get 10 people to do this with me, we would invest 150 days of prayer toward developing an outward-focused church. Together, we would study what the Bible says about the Great Commission for 50 days. We would write 40 people and invite 8 people to church. 80 people, sorry. 40 and we would write 40 people and invite 80 people to church. And we would have gone out to our community and prayed for 600 families and their homes. So this is what I'd love to do. I'd love if you, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out, ladies, this is not a slight, but I would like to do this with five to ten men to start. Just to, just to test and see if it, I've never even gone through this. I've read through it, but I haven't gone through it yet. I'd love to do this with five to ten guys. And then we would meet every, every week over Zoom real quick just to recap what we did. And if you look at this, um, at the end of each day, it has name and date. You have to sign it. It's a legit thing. So accountability, one, like a 15-minute Zoom call every week, just all getting together, talking about, was that difficult? How'd you do? What's going on? I'd love to get five guys to do this with me and hold each other accountable, five to ten. And then if, if we're going to kind of test this thing, and then if it goes great, I'd like to open up a small, a, a cohort, we'll call it a cohort, of women to do it in their neighborhoods and then maybe another group of men and just because it's so intimate and so much conversation, I'd like to keep it that way for now. But if you're interested, guys, I'm telling you, it's going to be a super, a super, a big challenge. It's 30 days. We would do it five days a week, not a Saturday and Sunday, but five days a week. And we'd have a meeting either, uh, probably on a Friday for 15 minutes. I'm just, I'm just wondering what God would do if we could become outwardly focused near.
near, to go near and actually systemize it and intentionally keep each other accountable to it. What could God do up and down the 91 corridor in neighborhoods, in, in, in homes, if we took a challenge to be more outward? And I'm telling you guys, I'm telling you right now, this would stretch me. I'm almost tentative to put that out there because it's, it's a challenge for me. I, I'm very comfortable behind these walls here. But for, you know, I'm serious. It's a big, it's a big step for me. So if you're interested in that, men, the ladies, please, it's not a slight. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a, what do we call this? A pilot program. A pilot program that I like to do with a bunch of men. And that's all I got. That's it. You can go. No, I mean, honestly, folks, this is, we got to do it. There is no place in the gospel or Acts that exempts any believer from going and discipling. So let's go. Next week, we're going to talk about going far. We're talking going far. I'm going to have Gary come up next week and talk about, Gary is our, uh, Gary Violet. Stand up, Gary, or wave. He, yep. he's, our, he's our missions director from, on the board, and he's gonna, we're going to have a little interview next week uh, as uh, why he's so passionate about missions. And then we're going to talk about world missions and how we here can be a part of that. And then on the last week of this month, we have a real-life, not animatronic, a real-life missionary couple that's going to be coming in and sh- sharing. Their, they're so, uh, they're so, their area is so tedious that we can't even tell you where they're from on socials and stuff like that. They're going to a very dangerous area. So they're going to come, and they're going to share with you what they're doing. It's going to be awesome. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. God, I thank you that you have given us this community, Lord. The church that you created is a church that loves one another, that supports, that gives, that takes care of the needs of the body, and then lives out the message of Jesus Christ, the gospel, the teachings that you taught to the world in a very authentic and natural way. And you add to the church. Lord, all we can do is share. It's your Holy Spirit that touches the heart. It's your Holy Spirit that draws people to salvation. But how will they know if nobody goes and shares? That's what you've given us to do. So God, I pray that we would get a a heart and a burden and an excitement for going near, not just far, but going near. Lord, help us to, to, to just get excited about how we can see people changed, their lives would be renewed and made whole by the power of the Holy Spirit through the witness of your followers sharing the good news that Jesus came. That he died and he rose again so that we could live with him here in the kingdom of God and into eternity. What an amazing message. Lord, give us a passion for the near. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about New Life Church, check out our website at discovernewlife.org.